everyone, welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two guys who like guys but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation. We'll talk about the highs and lows of life as a disciple with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your Home From Home. In this special extended episode, we welcome Morgan Roberts, a same-sex attracted woman, as she answers your questions by women for women. She'll share all about the differences between male and female same-sex attraction, relationships with guys, the pressure to have a family, and her found fulfillment in marriage. There's a lot to be excited about and learn today, so stick around and welcome to your home from home. We're live. We are here. Thomas, how are you doing? I'm so good, Topher. How are you? I'm even more excited because we have a special guest. We do. Someone else is in the house today. Hi. So this is Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for accepting our invitation. It's really great to have you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to um, to be on the podcast. So this is the famed, uh, the much requested first female episode. Ooh. So Topher and I have some questions for Morgan that you guys have asked, and she's going to give her opinions and we'll butt in once in a while. But before we get started to the questions, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Morgan? Yes, please. I would love to. So my name is Morgan. I am from San Diego, originally from the Northern California area. So I feel like I always have to share that. But California, born and raised. Currently, I am married with two kids. So I always have to give that caveat anytime I am recording anything because... At any point, I could start getting a really intense like doorknob turning on my bedroom door. And so you just have to forgive any screaming or anything you hear from a two year old or a three month old. Um, I've been married for about five years and been a Christian for 10 as of September of this year. So that's really exciting. I didn't I didn't think this day would come, but I've made it. And, uh, you know, I, I played basketball and I feel like I have to share this cause that's actually what brought me down to San Diego. I played basketball in college, um, at the university of San Diego and played there for four years. And that's actually where I met my husband was, uh, in our college ministry at the church and we, um, met, fell in love and five years later got married and started our wild journey. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds so incredible. Cute. And for the listeners, I know you can't see, but her daughter is literally the most <laughs> adorable thing I think I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, you're so sweet. She is so cute and such a great mom. Thank you for like taking your time out away from your son, especially to speak to us. I know it's like hectic. Thank you. I, yeah. I really appreciate being here. And the funniest part about my daughter is... She, my husband's African American, and so she's mixed. Yeah. And I have always wanted mixed babies. I've mixed said that babies. like s- since I was little. Um, <laughs> I love mixed more babies. specifically so said cool. I wanted brown babies. And at our wedding, he vowed them to me. And I have the most beautiful little brown babies. They are my heart. So. Oh, yes. That is so cute. <laughs> you know, I was a mixed baby. My mom's Chinese, but my dad's English, so I have an affinity with all mixed children so yes it's amazing 
<laughs> um, before we start, yeah, just for those who haven't heard, this is our women's episode, which we are really looking forward to, and we're so grateful for Morgan joining us in this because um, we really need some additional perspective. Yep. And we've asked you guys a couple of weeks ago to just send in some questions specifically for Morgan, um, especially about things to do with female same-sex attraction. And so we're really looking forward to what she has to share with us. I mean, me and Thomas are just basically going to be listening and absorbing all that experience and information. All so the knowledge. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, really all the knowledge. Well, I guess, Topher, I, I should also include I, I am same-sex attracted. <laughs> Which I yes, guess would qualify. Oh, which I guess would qualify <laughs> me to be on this podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> I, when I was fifteen, I started um, dating women. I actually, so I shared the basketball piece because when I started going to some basketball camps around seventh grade, I I realized that I had a some sort of attraction or really uh, very interested in some of these older basketball players who were women. And when I was fifteen, I started dating. One of my coaches, actually, which oh, wow. um, is very unhealthy, but that was kind of the path that I went down and kind of exposed me to what uh, the same sex lifestyle looked like. And then I got to college and continued to date women. And that lasted probably about seven years. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, so it was something that was not accepted in you know my family. And you know, I wasn't necessarily open with them about it, uh, but they put the puzzle pieces together. So that definitely, um, you know, has was a large mm. part of my 20s. And then, uh, you know, I because I had grown up going to church, my life had just kind of gotten to a mess. And I'll share more, you know, throughout the podcast, but had gotten to a really bad place and, you know, realized I needed to kind of go back to the source that gave me strength from the beginning. And so found myself yeah. going mm. back to church. That is um, just a, yeah, a big part of my past. And and then I was able to meet up with Guy and start helping at the Strength and Weakness Ministry back in October of 2014, 2013. Uh, but it's been a while. I've been with them for about six or seven years and had the opportunity. Wow. Kathy was one of my, my closest friends and just really love their family and love Laura and love the ministry. So it's definitely a part yeah. of my heart. And I help with the women's ministry and also, you know, had helped start the support groups and now I'm kind of dabbling around in everything. So, um, yeah, <laughs> definitely have my hand um, in there. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for, you know, joining us and, and bringing this perspective. So let's go to the first question. Yes. It says, first of all, I really appreciate your podcast. Well, thank you, listener. We appreciate you, too. As a SSA Kingdom Kid, Kingdom Kid just means you grew up in church. I think this is something that is really needed. But would you be open to have a female SSA guest on the podcast? Yes. Here I am. We would be open. Yeah. <laughs> I find that sometimes male and female SSA are viewed differently. As a female, when I open up to people, they kind of water it down as if, oh, females are just more affectionate. It's no big deal. You're not really SSA. While I appreciate not being treated all that different, I feel like when I struggle with my attraction, I can't be open because people tie it with me just being emotionally attracted to someone. So is this something you can relate with, Morgan, or, or what do you think about this? Yeah, I think that's a great question for whoever submitted that. And, you know, I, I do think it's hard because when you grow up in the church, you're navigating both church culture, you're navigating societal pressure, and you're, yeah. you know, you're you're kind of navigating kind of a clash of cultures, I would say. 
and also different pressures that come with that. But I, I really think that, man, sharing this struggle with people is, it can be really, it can be a really awesome experience, or you can have some really tough experiences. And I think, you know, based on what you shared, Mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, you could have somebody kind of freak out and be like, oh my gosh, you're same sex attracted. Or you could have somebody be like, no, it's not really that big of a deal. And you're like, wait a second. It is. And I know that I have had, you know, multiple of those experiences. I've had people say like, okay, just, you know, pray, pray about it and God will help you through it and help it go away. And I think that totally kind of diminishes something that you're feeling very deeply, right? That you, Mm. it's something that you think about, you wrestle with and to have somebody say, you know, it's not that big of a deal can be really hurtful. And so I think especially for, you know, as if you're sharing it with somebody and they're telling you that you're not really same sex attracted, I think it's always a great step to help them in their ignorance of, okay, here, let me tell you what that actually means to me. Let me tell you what I go through on a daily basis. And and this is, you know, I say this to people often that same-sex attraction is tough because for those who struggle with the substance abuse, you actually have, we'll take alcohol for an example. You actually have to go to the store, buy alcohol and bring it home. But when you Mm. struggle with same-sex attraction, it's a relational struggle. So it's every every friendship that I'm building, I have to be careful that I don't allow myself to cross certain boundaries. And that could be exhausting, right? So even Mm. if that person in particular is like, it's just an emotional thing, I think to be able to say, you know, do you really understand what I mean when I say I'm same sex attracted? Here, let me let me educate you. And maybe that will help them be a little bit more understanding without feeling like, they're watering it down. But I, and I can relate where it's like, oh, great. Thank, thanks for not making me feel crazy and kind of ostracizing me. However, let me help educate you so that the next person who comes to you and shares this with you, you can maybe have a little bit more of a compassionate response, a, a more educated response, if you will. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, completely. Uh, do you think there's this um, they mentioned this difference between male and female same sex attraction and how we can view them differently? Is there this sense that female same-sex attraction is swept under the rug a bit more or not talked about as much? I don't know. I feel like that's kind of maybe what they're alluding to, or it's purely, I don't know, it's kind of diminishing the problem for women instead, whilst men, maybe it could be a bigger issue that's validated. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I definitely think this is something that is that they are treated differently it's hard to generalize the same sex attraction, right? Like you can't yeah. just say like yeah. every yeah. female is like this and every male is like this, but for the most part, mm-hmm. and I have People to don't put, fit in a comfortable box. Right. Right. And I have to, you know, put the note out there that hopefully at my partner in crime of strength and weakness, Ellen will be on this podcast soon too. She's totally the brains um, of our, our working friendship. And she has an entire spreadsheet or entire PowerPoint that, talks through all the differences between male and female same-sex attraction. But for the most part, Mm. you can say for women, it is primarily emotional. And for men, it tends to be more physical. However, I do think that for women, the emotional connection is really, it's the friendships, it's the codependency. We see codependency a lot within female same-sex attraction. And I think because it can be emotional and maybe not as like, okay, I'm for the 80% of women who it is emotional, there is the 20 that it is physical and they, you know, are more attracted to women. But I think when you share with somebody, hey, this friendship with this sister, I'm 
you know, I'm, I'm getting really jealous. She's hanging out with other people. Um, mm. I want to spend more time with her. I want to talk to her all the time. And then somebody's like, well, it's just your best friend. That's hard because they do in, in a sense, kind of sweep Minimize it under the rug it. as that. That's yeah. just your best friend. If you're, if you said, mm. Hey, I'm, I'm lusting over this person or, you know, I'm, I am tempted to cross physical boundaries with this person. Then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, red flags instead of <laughs> the emotional friendship side of it. Sure, sure. Mm, I think we have a tendency, even in our church culture, to um, we really quickly kind of denounce physical impurity, but we kind of are very slow to talk about emotional impurity mm-hmm. and those kind of boundaries. That's a really good point. And we talk about that a lot within our women's ministry as far as what codependency looks like in friendships. And I know for me, coming into the church and really starting to rebuild healthy relationships with females, I had to be really careful because to build what does it look like to build a healthy friendship? What is an appropriate amount of time to talk to somebody and to spend time with somebody? I think Again, who who would ask somebody that like, hey, why are you spending so much time with your best friend? Like, that's not a normal <laughs> question. But I think it really is within the heart of the person to be able to say, OK, am I becoming emotionally dependent on this friend? Am I becoming, uh, you know, physically dependent on this person? I think it's just an important it's, it's so much more internal than to be able to say, oh, look, you're you're physically crossing unhealthy boundaries. The second question, we've paired up two questions again, which all kind of go with a general theme about women who struggle with same-sex attraction and their relationship with men. So the first one is, hello, Thomas and Topher. I have a question for you two and the lady you've planned to join the podcast in a bit. As a gal in college who is attracted to both guys and girls, I've often wondered how to go about having guy friendships. How close, distant is it okay to be with guys? I have close guy and girlfriends, but it still feels weird treating the friendship the same. It seems like it's more difficult to spend one-on-one time with guy friends without people matching us up or disapproving. What are your thoughts? And the second question is, how do you build relationships with brothers? I've struggled with this because I'm more drawn to women in general. Also, if you have this experience, how do you deal with brothers being interested in you? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Really teed me up there. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but really great questions. And I think questions, again, that just aren't talked about a whole lot. Yeah. So I'll start with the the first one. So, you know, how, how close or distant is it okay to be with guys? You know, I think it is so important to trust the Holy Spirit and to really lean mm. on the Holy Spirit. And I think yeah. far mm-hmm. too often... I know I am led by my feelings and my emotions, but the Holy Spirit, I mean, I feel like Jesus gave it to us so that we could lean on it and that Mm. we could listen to it. And again, I think sometimes we can quench it when it's like, but I feel or I want to do this instead of, okay, actually how, what should I do in this situation? So I think always first Mm. is when you're starting to build a friendship, just asking God, like, is this a healthy friendship for me to have in my life? Mm -hmm. Or is it not a healthy friendship? And so in building those relationships, I think there is. And and the reason I say that about the Holy Spirit is because to build a friendship, you, you have to spend time with the person, right? Like you have to have conversations. That's the beauty of friendships is being able to share a different part of your life to 
you know, open up about things you've gone through or whatever it might be. And I think if we only are friends with girls, and I'll speak from a female's perspective, if I'm only friends with girls, then I'm really cutting out 50% of the world's population to actually reach out to and possibly be who God is using to share the gospel with a male. Right. Mm. And I think that to me is something in our church culture where it's like, okay, if I'm a female, guys are kind of off limits in a sense, unless I'm building a romantic relationship with them. Mm. But it really doesn't allow us the opportunity to learn how to have healthy friendships because there might be I actually build better relationships with men than I do with women that are healthy friendships because I play sports. I can, I can talk the game like that. I tend to like sports. So I'll want to go play them with other guys. Um, and I have two brothers, so I grew up talking to guys, right? Like I didn't grow up with a close sister. So for me coming into the church, I was like, Oh no, I have to build friendships with only girls like this is crazy. But I think the important part as far as here's some practicals in building relationships, if you feel like it's starting to get to an unhealthy place, you're talking all the time, you're hanging out all the time, like common sense in a sense. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but like, okay, if you're spending 99% of your time with this brother, that probably isn't healthy. If you're starting to want to not read your Bible or pray and your mind is just so consumed with this other person, that's oftentimes a sign that you're going down an unhealthy road. Hmm. And also I think asking the people around you, right? So sometimes if you have roommates or even the closest people in your life, you can say, Hey, you know, do you think this is a healthy friendship that I have with so-and-so and And they can see it. They can see sometimes your blind spots that you can't necessarily See, yeah. so I think those are some some practicals, but I think as far as a romantic relationship, how to build a really how to build a friendship without it being romantic, if I remember that question correctly. Yeah, well, the second question is, what do you do? How do you deal with a brother being interested in you? Yeah, so that's a great that's a great question. So I think if you it, depending on where you're at with your same sex attraction. So for me, when I came in, you know, started going to church. I did not tell anybody about my same sex attraction. I was like, I will die before this is talked about. And here mm. I am on a podcast <laughs> talking about it. God is funny, but, isn't he? <laughs> but it is really, if you're at a place where it is a part of your dialogue, it's something you share, then that's one piece. If you're on the other side where nobody knows about it and it is something that you prefer to only share with a couple of people in your life, then building a friendship with a guy will look the same at the beginning, right? If it's out in the open there, you're like, Hey, this is, this is me. This is all of me. If you want to start a relationship with me, if you, if it's not something, then you have to think about, okay, is this person that I'm going to build a relationship with? Would I be willing at some point to share this part of my life with them? So Hmm. I always advise people and suggest just build the friendship and the relationship as you would with anybody else. And then when it gets to a certain point that you're like, okay, I would actually consider seeing myself with this person in the future. And my husband and I just released a video in our last newsletter. It's on the website too, about when to tell your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're same sex attracted. And one of the pieces we say is like, ask the person in their life, you know, maybe somebody who's mentoring them and then ask people in your life, Hey, is now a good time to share this with that person? If they're going through a huge transition in life, probably not the best time to be like, Hey, let me drop this bomb on you. 
<laughs> but also to be able again to heed the Holy Spirit of like, is this a good time to to share it with them? And then give them the opportunity to process it. I think sometimes there are people who can't live with that in, you know, their life. And I think we all have our own baggage, but to Mm. be able to say, you know, how dare you not love me for this side of me? I think that's really hard because we all have to count the cost of different things we're walking into a relationship with. So kind of a long answer, but I think at the very beginning, just start to build it normally. And then that you know, pray that that conversation comes up organically or, you know, pray for the right time to Mm. have that conversation. Yeah. I appreciate Mm. that advice, especially what you said in the beginning about, you know, brother relationships when you're same sex attraction and a female. Cause I know for me as a brother, like having sister relationships could be interesting because I think a lot of people assume that you know, we have a a term here called simping, which is like, like weasel dates, or you're trying to like, <laughs> get at somebody in somewhere. And I was like, No, like, there's no romantic interest here. I'm just yeah. a genuine friend. Like, I love this person. Right. And I want to be friends with them. In fact, I went to a trip with Vegas with two of my best sister friendships. We both stayed in different houses. But like, we traveled together. And some people were like, that's kind of weird. I was like, what? We're just, we're best friends. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing nefarious going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just speaks to church culture in general of like brothers and sisters just can't just be friends. Yeah. And, and it's a hard pressure to have because I think the pressure of everybody is a potential relationship just doesn't allow for the freedom yeah. to just have friendships and friendships are so important. I mean, Jesus yeah. had 12 and he had his best friends. And I think when we put boxes around, like, like I mentioned, I am closer friends with guys. And honestly, even now in, in the relationships that my husband and I have, I tend to always relate more to the husband because I, we just are, I'm type A I'm very, (laughs) like, I just naturally will have more of a connection. And, and Mm. I think it's, it's amazing when you can find the opposite gender who's like, okay, hey, we don't like each other, but we're just really good friends. And I think it's kind of sad that we have to defend those friendships. But I think the more that they happen, the more our church culture can start to shift with, hey, this can actually look normal. Again, trusting that you have the Holy Spirit. So if you're going down a wrong road, the Holy Spirit will convict you and kind of move you you back to the right place. Completely. Let's transition here to the third question. It says, how do you deal with stereotypes of what SSA or gay women are like? Also, how do you deal? This is a two-parter. So also, how do you deal with friends getting into relationships or getting married? It's so hard to feel like I don't have people prioritize me as much as I prioritize them. It feels gut-wrenching to me when my best friends start calling their boyfriend their best friend when we had such closeness before. So... How do you deal with the stereotypes of what SSA or gay woman is like? And then how do you deal with friends getting into relationships? Yes. Great questions. So the stereotypes, tarps, the stereotypes (laughs) are really tough because I think, Mm. man, just stereotypes in general are difficult, just so difficult. And they, and they just put people into a box immediately. Right. It's, oh man, I could go on for hours about that. But to stick to the question. So 
usually what you'll get with a stereotypical same sex attracted, you know, woman, and I'll even say like a gay woman, right? Like, and I'm not saying they're the same, but normally when somebody thinks of a gay woman, they're like, okay, well, they probably dress like a boy, probably have really short hair. They probably, you know, wear baggy jeans. They're athletes. They're softball player or basketball player. So I'm immediately a lesbian (laughs) if that's the case. (laughs) And I think they drive Subarus. Yeah. Stop. That's, oh, that's great. So I think that's hard because there are I had plenty of basketball, I mean, teammates that were straight, super, super, super straight. And yeah. it's just you can't you never know what somebody's going through. And I'm gonna use a totally relevant, really like close to home subject, which is Chadwick, who just passed away on Friday. Mm. Right. Mm. Like people were making fun of his weight and being super critical the last, you know, however long. And then all of a sudden he passes away from cancer and everybody's like, I should have probably not said X, Y or Z. Like you never know what somebody's going through. So, yeah, I know it's a a, it's just heavy on my heart anyways. But I think that that's a great example Mm. of what stereotypes can do. And so for me, for example, Mm. mine was kind of the opposite. Like I came in to. I started coming to church and I had peer, I had a ton of piercings. Like I looked a little rough around the edges, but I very much presented myself as like very feminine. And so nobody knew. So when I shared that with people, they were like, I would have never guessed. Oh my gosh, no way. It can't be. And then I'm like, <laughs> wait, why, why wouldn't you have guessed that? Or even that on top of that, right. Is another stereotype. Of like, yeah. Okay. So now, yeah. now that I told you, you know, you think something differently of me. But anyways, I think for for stereotypes, there's the other piece, you know, the physical stereotype, but then also the emotional stereotype. But I do think that there is, you know, the other piece of it, not just the emotional attraction, but also what people think when they when they hear that of like, oh, you must be, um, you know, very emotionally attracted or physically attracted to everybody. And I just don't think that's the case. Again, just a very stereotypical question. So how to navigate that in the church? Again, education, education, education. I think the more we can inform people, hey, just because I, you know, like to wear looser fitting clothes, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm same sex attracted or that I'm, you know, that that's a part of my past. It might just be how somebody likes to dress. And just because I have close female relationships doesn't mean that I'm same sex attracted. And just because I play basketball, you know, whatever that might be. (laughs) So education. For you personally, did you find like, how did you kind of navigate in in regards to those stereotypes? Because I know often, especially like in the gay male community, there's this being mask or masculine is really praised because it's kind of, it goes against the typical stereotype of effeminate male. And so like, did you feel pressure to either conform to a certain stereotype or to push yourself away or was that something that you just decided I'm not going to think about what people would expect that's a great question I think at first I called myself a chameleon in college because I tried to be Mm. whatever the group I was hanging out with that's what I tried to be and the same thing happened when I started coming back to church was I tried to then fit in with the church crowd so everything I used to wear everything I used to say which there's a part of that that is biblical, right? Like, I don't want to conform to the patterns of the world anymore. I'm really trying to be renewed yeah. and, and, you know, get back to who Christ made me to be. But I right. think at the same time, I think there is a pressure to 
walk, talk and look a certain way. And I think the older I've gotten, the more I have embraced the fact that I don't have to look or be a a certain way, you know, based on societal stereotypes. But I think the church should be a place that we can be different, right? Mm. You can be a, a more feminine male and have more feminine qualities and that I'm not, it's not a judgmental piece of you. You don't have to be the societal masculine stereotype. Yeah. You can yeah. be who you are and that doesn't make you any lesser or me anymore. But that's where I think the the cultural messages kind of seep into the church where it's like, okay, we all have to look a certain way in order to be accepted within mm. our our communities. And I just, yeah. I, I think the more we can say, hey, you don't have to change. You don't have to be a certain way. We accept you as you are is is really I think is just crucial to the fact that the church has to be a safe place to be able to be Mm. different yeah I agree so the second part of that is did you want to speak maybe for a few minutes on how to deal with friends who like got into a relationship and then that friend feeling like they're you know replaced yeah definitely so to whoever, you know, sent this question, I, I don't want to assume anything. And I think everybody who sent in these questions, <laughs> I, I feel like I have to put that caveat because I it's a very short paragraph. I don't know your life or where you're coming from. But I do think that there yeah. is a part of this this question that I, I've definitely gone through and something we talk yeah. about a lot in our women's ministry, which is this idea of codependency, which is mm. what I mentioned earlier in the podcast, which is becoming codependent on somebody else. And it is so challenging when you have a best friend. And and again, I've been there. You have a best friend who gets married and all of a sudden you're like, wait, we don't get, we don't get to live together anymore. We don't get to spend time together. I'm not the first person you call. I'm not the first person you text. Everything has changed and you mourn the friendship in a sense the loss of what that friendship was. But I think for whoever asked this, you have to kind of do some self evaluation of, okay, where is that gut wrenching feeling coming from? Is that coming Mm. from a place of, I just really miss my best friend, what life used to be and that life will never be like that again. Or is it coming from a place of, okay, do I have more emotional feelings? Am I maybe a little bit more codependent on this person than I thought I was? And this is just exposing it at this moment. Again, I, I don't know where you're at, but just some questions to ask yourself of where those feelings are coming from. And on top of this, I do want to say, I think that this is kind of a bad habit that we have, not we, I would say there, I've seen it happen multiple times where people get married and all of a sudden, they can't be friends anymore with a single person. And this is something that I fought to have with some of my best friends of, okay, yes, I got married, but that doesn't mean you no longer can be my friend or that you no longer can be a a huge part of my life, that somebody who's married and somebody who's single can still have a really great friendship, even though they're in different phases of life, if you will. So I feel like I had to put that little note in there because I am a huge proponent of being friendships through different stages of life. But Mm. again, for, you know, whoever submitted that, I'm really sorry. I know that that's, it's really hard to go through that with your friendships, but maybe just doing some journaling or some self-evaluation of kind of where those feelings are coming from. Yeah. I really appreciate that because I know for me, like I had two really close brother relationships who within like the span of a year, both got married. And that was hard because we used to hang out all the time. We would talk all the time. Like these were 
big monumental people in my life. You know, they're like some of the first people I got open to my SSA about. Like they were just huge, huge friendships. And I remember after them getting married or even after they started dating and then engaged and married, our relationship changed and the the frequency of like how much we can hang out or talk changed. Um, but I'm grateful for them to still like keep that friendship alive. And uh, now I'm even just as close to both of the wives, like both of yeah. the wives I'm, I'm super close to. I call both of the wives once in a while and we just hang out just the two of us. Yep. Um, so that's really cool. So I think, you know, for you who are single, like it's possible to have friends who are married. The relationship just might look different. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And mm. I'll speak for one of my, my best friends. She, she calls my husband her best friend now too. She comes over, she hangs out with our kids. Like you can, you can still be friends. It's just, it's going to look different. And I think I just want to say one more thing on this part, which is that prioritizing part. I think there is a reality that friendships are now fourth on the priority list, right? God is my first priority. My husband is my second priority. My kids are my third priority. And then I get to friendships. And there is a, a hard reality about that, that you know, when I was single and living in a household, my friends were my second priority. It was God and then my friendships. And, you know, I think that again, that's something that it's a harsher reality, but there is a way to continue those friendships. But the priority part, um, you know, is where I think we have to be careful that it's not a codependent priority. Mm. That's a great point. Yeah. Moving on to the next question, which is our penultimate question. It says, I'm very selective on who I'm open about with my same-sex attraction. I once went to visit a friend I hadn't told about my SSA, and while there, she mentioned she would treat an SSA friend differently because she would feel the friend is trying to come on to her. My initial thought was, first of all, you're not that attractive, but anyway, I didn't say anything. It still lingers with me. And I feel like I need to bring it up, but I don't feel comfortable telling her I'm SSA. How should I address this? Such a great question. And I love, Our favorite questions. <laughs> love when I get this question. <laughs> and mostly because I just, it's, I laugh. It, I know it's not funny, but I, I laugh because let's forget <laughs> the question for a second and let's take a heterosexual person. So <clears throat> you're telling me that every person that walks past my husband Every person, guy or girl, he's like, oh, my gosh, can't wait to jump on them. Like, they're so attractive. <laughs> and he would be like, no, absolutely not. And I think the same goes for people who are same sex attracted, right? Like, I am not attracted to every female that walks by me. And I think this is, again, we're kind of I'll bring it full circle. Those stereotypes come in where, OK, if I tell somebody that I'm same sex attracted, they must assume that I'm attracted to every female. But little do they know. Until you put me in a basketball gym, that's where the primary people that I'm attracted to are. So I'll struggle there. But on a day to day basis, I don't look twice at a female who walks past me. And so I just think it's so interesting because to me, there are people who think, OK, if you're same sex attracted, you are attracted to everybody. And 
in the nicest way possible, please don't flatter yourself. Not everybody is attracted (laughs) to you. Yes. And again, no, no disrespect to the heterosexual person who's listening to this, who may have had that thought. Like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad (laughs) at all, but I do want to bring some very clear realities of put yourself in their shoes and, and just think about it for yourself. Like, are you attracted to everybody that walks by you? Probably not. And so it's the same that goes with the same sex attraction. And in just in reference to her question, as far as, you know, the friend that said she would feel like, you know, that you're trying to come on to her again. I think when you struggle with same sex attraction, a lot of your walk is going to be educating people. A lot of the conversations I have is like, okay, hey, I hear you. Thank you for sharing that. Let me share with you maybe some truths around that. So, you know, everything that I just shared with that being said, like, do you still feel like, you know, you would feel this way if I shared with you, I was same sex attracted and they might say yes. And, and that is just a time that God is showing you, okay, it might be time to close the door on this friendship because you can't be all who you are good, bad, and the ugly with this friendship. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing that with her, I think, I think always prefacing a conversation, if you would be willing to kind of step into that uncomfortable space saying, Hey, I want to share something with you, but you've made a comment before that actually makes me really afraid to share this with you. And my hope is that if they're a good friend, they'd be like, wow, I'm so sorry that something I said made you feel like you couldn't share it with me. Mm. Again, if they don't, it might be time to walk away from the friendship. But if they do, you can say you said this and it really, you know, hurt my feelings and made me not want to share this. And that actually happened with me. There was a brother that he's like a little brother to me. And he didn't know this part of my life. And we were talking one time and he made a kind of a offhand, very flippant comment about gay people. And I was like, hey, actually, let me share with you. That's actually a part of my past. And what you just said was really hurtful. I'm not mad at you. I just want you to know so that you don't say it again to somebody else. And he was like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. I shouldn't have said that. We were able to come closer. We were come together more closely And he was able to learn and take that on in the future. And it was awesome, you know. But again, I think the hard part is to not take that personal and to be able to be the person that steps up and says, hey, you know, what you said was hurtful. So I would say if you're comfortable stepping into it, go ahead and do that. If you're not, again, just pray if if that's a friendship that God wants you to have in your life right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one. Navigating those relationships on who to tell can be very hard. You know, because then there's that fear of losing that friendship and yep. rejection is difficult. It's it's hard. Yes. yes. And I mean, to that point, use discretion in who you tell, especially if it's something that is still very vulnerable for you, like a still very vulnerable yeah. place for you. I think yeah. at this time in my life, I don't really care what people think about me. I, I have my close people that know and, you know, are walking with me in life. But If you don't have that, just find safe people and just go one person at a time until you're at a good place to be able to share that with more. Because there are people who have biases and who have had bad experiences and and might not respond in a in a loving way. And that can really, really damage you. I literally just had this conversation two days ago with a woman who was going to record a podcast and she was like, you know, I had somebody 20 years ago. Uh, you know, have a bad reaction when I shared with them. And I still to this day, am scared to share with people because I don't want mm. that to happen again. And 
Yeah. Wow. Shows the power of what our reactions, whatever people bring up to us, right? Like shows the power of our reactions, but two, how hurtful that can be and how it can really affect someone's willingness to continue to share with other people when they have an amazing story to tell that might impact hundreds of thousands of people, you know, they never know. So sorry, I'm, I'm totally a tangent Mm. queen. So you guys get right back. <laughs> we love tangents. We love tangents. And the subscribers to our podcast will know that we'll often <laughs> tangent. So I think that's a good way to transition to the last question. And then we'll have a wrapping up conversation about it. It says, this is for the women's episode. Well, congratulations. You made it into the women's episode. <laughs> not sure if you're married or not, but I wanted advice on how to deal with the pressure to be married and have children, especially for parents. And then another question with that that we wanted to tie in. It says, hi, guys. So I was wondering how you could be same-sex attracted, but then go ahead and get married to the opposite gender and have kids. To me, I guess it seems like lying to the other person. I get that you don't have to act on attraction, but how is this relationship going to be honest? So it's how do you deal with the pressure to get married and have kids? And then like, how dare we go about having kids, <laughs> but being attracted to the, right. the same gender. Right. And just to remind our audience that Morgan is same structured and is married and has kids. Yes. So She's we the have expert. the perfect person to give the answer. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. So yes, I, I am married. Yes. And I think the pressures <laughs> to be married and to have children, especially from parents, man, not just from parents, right? From church culture, from societal culture. It's like being single isn't accepted or that you can't be somebody that is totally content impacting the world as a single person. And that's something that I think, uh, you know, I've read so many articles about this, how just churches across the country, the value on a single man or woman is looked at less than you know, a married couple. And I think what's so sad about that is, yeah. it, especially in San Diego, our young professionals make up a huge part of our city. And so if they were to walk into our church, how would they feel welcomed and how would they feel loved? Mm. You know, and I'm not yeah. making any, I'm mm. not saying anything about how our church handles the singles ministry at all. But what I'm just saying is the emphasis on marriage, what your value is if you're not yeah. married, I think is mm. huge. So mm. the pressures are mm. hard. I think it's, it's hard to deal with the pressures, especially because for a woman, you know, it's buying the wedding dress. It's having the kids. You are the person who carries the kids. So that could be a dream of your mom or your dad or whoever that might be. And I know for me, my mom, you know, when I finally did share with her as I got older and was still living a a gay lifestyle, my mom told me, she's like, I had to mourn the loss of you walking down the aisle. I had to mourn the loss of going to buy your Mm. wedding dress with you. And that Mm. always sat in the back of my head because I was like, what if I don't get married? Yeah. Then this yeah. is some not now I'm, you know, causing my mom to not have this one thing she dreamt of her whole life. And for me, I I mean, I mm. get it now. I have a daughter and I'm like, oh, my gosh, here's the song I want you to dance with with your dad at your wedding. And this is what I want to do with you. <laughs> and, you know, I do. And, and I have had to really step back and say, wow, those those pressures really come from a place of their desires and their hopes and their dreams and wanting the best for you. And And if my daughter chose to do something against what I thought was right, I could see how hard that was to 
yeah. hold my thoughts and my opinions back. And so, mm. you know, and, and as far as navigating those pressures, I think being able to have open conversations with your parents, again, I don't know if you're at a place to be able to have those, but to, to step into, Hey, you know, mom and dad, when you share this with me, it's hard because I'm, I'm navigating my own personal battles with this. I desire to be married or maybe I don't desire to be married. And I desire to be a single person who takes over the world and is a huge world changer. But I feel like I'm not valued as much to you if I'm not married. And again, I think what I've been learning over the last three or four months with everything going on in our country is we have to educate ourselves. Like as a white woman, I've had to educate myself on what the black community goes through. My husband is black. So mm-hmm. I've had to, I have had to humble myself to educate myself, to be able to understand what his thought process is. And I think in the same way, we have to be willing to continue to educate and have the uncomfortable conversations because we've kind of lived in this, okay, I feel these pressures or I feel this uncomfortability, but I don't want to talk about it. But more than ever, I feel like we're getting pushed to, to have those conversations of with different generations of, I know this was really important to you, but I might want to live as a single person. And I want to know you love me and value me as much if I don't get there, you know, and again, that could be whether you're same sex attracted or not, but I think that would be my Mm -hmm. answer to the pressures. But then Mm -hmm. to follow up with that, as far as how, how could I go ahead and get married and have kids and feel like I'm in an honest relationship That's a really great question. And I told Thomas and Topher that this really (laughs) hit home for me because honesty and integrity (laughs) are really important for me personally, because I used to be Mm. such a liar, like my whole life was a lie when I was in college. And I think when I stepped into this relationship with Rayshawn, we had been dating for about six months and I told him. I have to share something with you because I don't feel like I can be honest and authentic with you if I don't. And he was like, okay. And of course I'm bawling. I'm (laughs) crying because to me, this carries so much shame and it carries so much embarrassment of here's everything wrong that I did. Right. And again, we all have our baggage, but for me, this felt like a mountain that I was carrying. And I shared it with him because of that reason. I didn't feel like I could be a hundred percent Morgan without sharing that huge part of my life. And I had this big fear that we were going to run into somebody in San Diego and they'd be like, Oh, Hey, are you still with so-and-so? And And I'd be like, Oh my gosh, no, like I don't date women anymore. Here's my boyfriend. You know, like I was so afraid (laughs) of that, but I do think that we, I had to share that with him in our relationship. And there comes a point that for some people who are same sex attracted and get married, there's not a desire to have kids, which is totally fine. I think for me personally, I always had a desire to have kids. So that played a a part in it in our relationship. And again, I'm referencing this series we're putting out because one of the videos we're going to put out is, you know, how to emotionally pursue your spouse. So for for Rayshawn, my husband, Mm. he is loved through physical touch. So that's how he's loved. How I'm loved is acts of service and totally emotional, right? Like I want to feel considered. I want to be asked how I'm doing. I want like, I want him to connect with me emotionally. So whether you're same sex attracted or not, we all feel loved in different ways. And it would be, I mean, we can't say, okay, everybody needs to love their spouse this way. And everybody needs to love the female in, in the relationship this way. Like you can't put people in boxes. And so it's, it's going to look different. 
But I think, you know, it, it's not a lie in our relationship because he knows every part of me and I continue to share with him my thoughts and my feelings so that Satan doesn't get a foothold in that way. I think there is, Mm. there is a temptation for a same sex attracted person in a marriage to not be able to say, Hey, you know, sometimes I wish you were a woman. I had, I had somebody tell me that the other day, you know, she was like, I don't know what to share with my husband. And I shared with her, I was like, why don't you just be honest? And she told him that. And he was like, wow, like, I really appreciate you sharing that. And that is such a vulnerable thing to share, Yeah, but it brought them closer because God honors honesty. He values integrity. He wants Mm. the marriage to, to thrive and to be close. And I think, again, the fear can stop me and can stop so many other people I've talked to from being honest with your spouse. So instead, let me hide all of these things. And then that's when we start being dishonest and we start really lying to the other person. But if you're in a healthy marriage, you know, that communication is huge. Um, And again, I think kids are personal preference there. I I have friends who are straight who don't want kids. I have friends who are same sex attracted who don't want kids. I think it, again, it's just what you desire and what you value. Um, But again, I know that back to the pressures, the pressures can be, I want grandbabies and to be able to have those conversations with your parents of, you know, mom or dad, maybe grandkids aren't something that I value. And I hope that you still love me the same, even though Mm. I'm not going to give you something that you desire. This is, you know, how I want to live my life and what I want it to look like. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Thanks so much for sharing everything, Morgan. Because I mean, even looking at this question, it seems like you're lying to the other person. It seems like with you and Rayshawn, it's like, it's anything but that. It's, um, It's complete honesty, complete authenticity. And, um, and I think that kind of love is such an example of what Christ's love was mm-hmm. because his love was based not on feeling or instinct. It was based on action and compassion mm-hmm. and honesty. And and I feel like you and your relationship really represent that. So, Thanks. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I just want to add one more thing. It's so interesting because I, I know I talked a lot about me being honest about my same sex attraction in a marriage, again, we all come in with our own baggage. So he also likewise is honest with me about things that he struggles with because he's right. He's not perfect. So I think again, in a healthy (laughs) marriage, we're both at a place where we're sharing honestly with one another so that I can say, wow, my husband's struggling with this, or he's feeling this. I love him. And I want to be the best helper and the best spouse that I can be to him. So let me meet his need in this way. If we're mutually doing that for each other all the time, again, mine's more emotional, but it's again, we're pushing and pulling to be able to grow together. And I can tell you over the last two years, we have grown so close because our relationship has been so gut-wrenchingly honest and it's hard. Like it is hard to be honest, to have those conversations. But again, I feel like God really honors that. Yeah. So again, it's, it's both sides. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's really what a marriage is about, isn't it? It's being, it's, you know, it should be that one person that you could be completely yourself and honest with. Right. And who's going to walk through the, the challenges of life with you. I mean, I would think that would, that would, is what I would want if, and when I get married, Yeah, you know? So I think your guys' example of marriage gives me as a SSA man, you know, so much hope that you know there are there is it is possible and it is achievable uh but thank you so much for coming onto our podcast um it's been such a blast to have you 
Um, I don't know if you want to plug uh, anything that you do at Strength and Weakness or if people want to get in contact with you um, to ask more questions, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again, you know, for having me and for all the listeners, I feel honored that, you know, you sat through this whole podcast and listened to my thoughts and my (laughs) advice. And I I think I would just say, if you're somebody who's same-sex attracted and you don't feel like you have a place to relate or to be honest, I have found so much, I don't know, relief in the strength and weakness ministry, because there is nothing like being able to talk to somebody and say, Hey, here's what I'm feeling. And this is what happened. The first time I reached out, I was like, I don't really know what to say. I'm same sex attracted. And I've never been able to talk to anybody about it. And she just said, Hey, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing. And I started crying because I was like, wow, there are people out there who also struggle with this and it's a part yeah. of their life. And I had never mm-hmm. found that before. When guys spoke, I was like, no way. I did not know you could be a Christian and have this a part of your past. So I would say if you are and you're hesitant about doing that, just give it a shot. Uh, we also have support groups, which the term support groups can be kind of scary, but really all it is is a place to be able to connect with other Christians who are trying to live a godly life. And it can, again, that community can just have a safe place to talk about this specific struggle. Because, you know, as we talked about on the podcast, sometimes sharing with people is really scary and you don't always get the the best response. And again, this is just a place to be able to talk about some of those things that happen. And also, um, if you are somebody who is not same-sex attracted and you've listened to this podcast, again, like, thank you for being willing to listen to it and, you know, yeah. loving the people that are in your life who are same-sex attracted and even loving the LGBTQ community. That is our mission statement. When we came up with the mission statement of strength and weakness, when we thought about it, it was, okay, how can we bridge the gap between the two, the Christian church and the community, the LGBTQ community? Because the truth is, is they are just as much a part of our community as everybody else. And we have to be willing to, to step out and love people. Um, from all walks of life. So I would say continue to love the people in your life and continue to educate yourself and step into those hard conversations because you will never know what your gentle words or your compassionate words will mean to somebody who is in that stage of life of, I don't know if anybody will love me. And you say, Hey, I love you no matter what. And, and you change their life, you know, moving forward, God uses you to speak, you know, to them. So I would just say, keep on loving people because you can really change someone's life with it okay thanks so much thank you yeah we'll put all the links to both adding more questions and to strengthen weakness and morgan honestly i'm sure us and and our listeners could just listen to you for many more hours on this because i know i've learned so much from you and your wisdom so we're just so grateful that you made the time to come speak to us today so thank you thank you all right talk to you guys later we'll see you guys next week bye-bye Thank you for listening to Home From Home. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe as we'll be answering new questions each week. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.